Welcome to FFC Top 3, a show where we, your FFC hosts, count things down from 3 to number 1. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have a suggestion for top... Oh my goodness, I cannot do this right now. (laughs) Reading things. Reading things enthusiastically is going to be interesting tonight. Take two. I'm sure you're keeping these for bloopers. Yep. Nope. Not at all. I would never, ever do that. Can't see the flip off that's happening. There are two fingers high in the air for you. I'm number one. Ah, you are number one. Number two if I put the hands together. Tipsy music lover. A tipsy music lover for sure. Woo! All right. Welcome to FFC Top 3, a show where we, your FFC hosts, count things down from three to number one. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have a suggestion for Top 3, be sure to drop us a note on Twitter at Focus Fire Chat, in our Discord, or even email us at FocusFireChat at gmail.com. This week, we are talking about our Top 3 fictional locations or fictional settings, because we're doing a whole episode on world building. So for top three, we're going to talk about what our favorite fictional settings are that we have at the moment. Blue and I are alone this week, so I'm going to make Blue go first. What is your number three, Blue? Uh, For the fictional settings, I would have to say Destiny is my number three. Uh, just because I'm really, I really enjoy the undercurrents of hope that they keep infusing into it, especially like destiny one. Uh, actually I liked that because it was much more, um, it was less gritty. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, destiny two kind of is more lighthearted. Yeah. Destiny two, destiny two is kind of, I mean, destiny two is still T for teen, but they're kind of drifting into that or really like, you know, that little, batman-esque we're gonna be tough thing which is really annoying sometimes but i i mean i don't have a problem with it but as far as like fictional settings i like the the kind of i don't i don't want to say it's lighthearted, but the 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 more um open open openness that destiny Mm one had and we'll get into that actually within the uh the actual episodes uh, because there is a there's a different approach for building worlds that Destiny took as opposed to some different uh, models that I actually prefer. Uh, so there's there's a reason why I kind of feel more drawn towards the Destiny 1 world instead of the Destiny 2 world. I mean, it's the same world, but it's just the process of the way they built that. I don't know. That probably doesn't make any sense. Destiny is my top three or my number three. Yeah, that it, it does make sense, though, because Destiny is also my number three in so much as the world of Destiny has been fleshed out to be not only this post-apocalyptic world, but also one that exhibits aspects where people are still trying to make the world a better place, which that right. aspect of hope that you were talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. So... You have different characters that are trying to do it in their own way, whether it's Anna trying to do it by reigniting Rasputin and getting Rasputin's side of the story built into it, or Zavala trying to hold his own and protect the city. You get all these miniature stories that just kind of expand into this larger world where so much is up against them. Mm -hmm. 
and so many aspects are not great, but you still have a lot of people who are still fighting for it, which is kind of, I mean, it's relatable. It's easy to relate back to the real world and so much that is fighting against you right now, whether it's dealing with politics or coronavirus or your job, everything is like, quote unquote, up against you, but there are people still fighting around you and you can recognize those a little bit easier thanks to a setting like this, which helps you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, is when I say that I enjoy Destiny 1 over Destiny 2, um, I like, especially for fictional settings, um, I I actually really like black and white worlds um, mm-hmm. where there there's not a lot of like, I don't know, I feel weird saying it, but like, I love a good anti-hero story. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Punisher, Punisher is a great story arc. Um, but but you have to know going into it, you know going into it what you're getting, right? Like it's gonna be you're you're getting an antihero. Um, Deadpool, you know you're getting an antihero. You're not going into it for right. that that moral kind of world black and white. And the thing with like Destiny One was, you know, it started out being pretty dark and light. You know, it was it was mm-hmm. and not necessarily good and bad, but it was it was side one and side two. Um and like that was, I think, the big draw of you know everyone's favorite story of you know Jaren Ward versus um, Dredgen Dredgen Yor and stuff like that. Um, the thing that drew me originally to that story is the same thing that draws me to like the grim fairy tales. It's like it's very easy to identify with the villain and who's the hero. Like it's very because the point of that is to teach a lesson. Uh, you know that's what fantasy has always been about from from a historical standpoint is to teach social norms and social responsibility and you know all that and you don't do that by doing a lot of gray characters because kids the kids who is whose these stories are being told to they don't understand that that's not something that children are really good right. at understanding um which is why i love the introduction of destiny with that that dark and that light because that was a very very fairy tale-esque presentation with a sci-fi twist which is really cool um as we progressed into Destiny 2, the the lines were blurred intentionally, and I understand and I enjoy it, but that's why it's my number three, um, because I prefer that more that fairy tale esque you know definition. Because again, when I start, I I don't I don't really. My problem is is that I started in a black and white situation, mm-hmm. and now we're getting into muddied waters. And there's a part of me, and I, I I don't know how to say this without making it sound bad. It's not how it's, and I'm not intending it to sound the way it's going to sound, but it it feels confusing to my brain when you start in a black and white world and then you trans you turn that world into a gray world. Oh, see, I actually love that aspect of it. It's actually why I prefer Destiny Two story to Destiny One. Yeah, no, no, and I, and I completely and like. Like I said, we'll probably definitely get into this conversation in the normal show. For sure. Um, For sure. It's it's uh it's my borderline OCD tendency mm-hmm. because like I, I compartmentalize storytelling in a way of like my analysis my analysis of how stories are told is like when I start reading a story, you know, I, I kind of have that expectation of like, okay, this is what this is. You know, when I sit down and read Grimm's fairy tales, I know what I'm getting myself into. It's gonna be 
the villain is doing this. This is why I don't like a lot of the modern retellings of fairy tales because it's just, I mean, I mean, excuse my language for just a second, but it's a bastardization of the story. And it actually, it actually confuses the moral of the story um, for just political easy points in a lot of my opinion. Um, I think as far as the reason why I enjoy the Destiny 2 aspect a little bit better is because it's more realistic. It's more more like real world because real world is not always black and white. There's always a gray spot that you don't necessarily see with the initial viewing, right? That's the... Correct. And that is where I I will agree with you. I appreciate Destiny 2's story. Um, I... I appreciate that type of storytelling, but to be blunt, that's why I, that's not why I played destiny. Oh, um, I know that's fine. I started, I started playing, you know, it, it's like, it's the reason why I never played the division is the division mm-hmm. was all about gray and all about, Oh, it's hopeless. And you know, all this BS. Um, and that's actually the one reason I, I saw division and I was like, Oh, that looks interesting. Saw the storyline. It was like, Nope, not going to watch. I'm not even going to get involved well, with it. it um, here's the thing though. There's destiny does something really well compared to like the, the division. You mentioned the division specifically just because their, their storyline is so gray and there's not really a good guy or bad guy mm-hmm, described right. person. Yeah. And I, and, and I, to be fair, I don't know the story of division. I just know what the, PR like the start of right. it is so I I don't mean to pass a generalized judgment on this the game quality I, I'm just explaining that's why I never got into it is because from the get-go it just was like there's no hope I'm like all right well I'm not going to pass right. my I'm not going to spend my time with it but here's the lovely thing about destiny is there is this overarching idea of good and bad right that is the no matter what story you're dealing with there's right. still an idea Fair. of good yeah. and bad, but mm-hmm. you have the idea of the like the shadows of your with um, Vale and all of those guys dealing with some of the the tinges of the different colors. You're not just dealing with pure white or pure black. And in real life, you have a lot of those same types of characters where you have good characters and you have bad characters, but then you have your anti-hero type character that is not really a hero per se but they're still moving in that direction destiny tries to do that in some respects not necessarily Mm -hmm. as well as like the punisher or um deadpool or anybody like that but oh yeah there are aspects of having those in-betweens which is really great right and it and again i i agree with that um my counterpoint is that that's not what I get into a fictional world set for. Like, cause yeah, exactly what you said, you know, cause like you mm-hmm. said, that is, that's exactly what the real world is. And I appreciate that destiny is doing such an amazing job with, uh, I think trigger, yeah, trigger saying this right now. Uh, you know, it, it forces us to understand not just our side, but the side of our, our enemies or our opponents yeah. really would be a better term because Dealing we come the- to find is they're not necessarily our enemies. Like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of opening that up for interpretation, which dealing is dealing with the empathy of things, mm-hmm. teaching exactly, empathy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But for, for sure. me, fictional has always been kind of an escape from that grayness because mm-hmm. there's a there's a sim- there's there's a beauty in the simplicity of having a light and dark. Um, sure. And that's that's really 
now of course i'm going to throw it all out with my number two and number one but you know it's that's that's either here or there i'll explain those then yeah well i mean it's you're up on number two so oh okay all right well um my my number two is actually star wars uh the the uh legends uh i i don't know enough about the new universe to to weigh in on my feelings towards it but the uh, legends expanded universe um which is completely and absolutely polar opposite to what i just got done talking about with destiny um however this is where i go back to the expectation of what you're going to get yourself into like you know mm-hmm. when i started uh when i started reading actually when i started reading fiction star wars was actually what got me into reading science fiction uh through okay. like the the young jedi knights and the junior jedi knights series uh and then the x-wing series you know and all these all these expanded universe series all the mini stories and all that um and it really taught it exactly what you just were done you were just talking about uh it really started showing the the empathy and the importance of that empathy because there's you know there were characters within the expanded universe with legends there were characters who were on the quote unquote bad side the empire who were good people who were just trying to you know trying well, to sure. save their family or you know whatever right and I mean, like as a young reader that was something that really was like i was like oh okay this is where sci-fi can really kind of explore that and of course that led to you know my discovery of like heinlein and uh even to a degree hubbard hubbard has a few like with battlefield earth he does a really good job with that as well um so like star wars was uh is my number two because it was my gateway drug if you will into the sci-fi fiction of really everything okay so my number two is actually my gateway gateway drug into fantasy um, I'm okay. not a huge sci-fi person. I do like sci-fi settings. I have read a, a, quite a few different sci-fi books, but I prefer reading in the fantasy side, specifically in the high fantasy. And the easiest gateway drug into the, all of that is Lord of the Rings, dealing with Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I started reading Tolkien back in like seventh, sixth, seventh grade. And I really, really latched on to this world building type thing that he did specifically. Now, granted, he is much, much, much more prolific in, in all the details that he provides for these different worlds. I mean, if you read into the Silmarillion, you're going to get into way more detail than what you necessarily need to enjoy the story. But right, right. It, it's kind of like going into Destiny. It's kind of like what we do with um, Destiny lore is that we're diving into way more detail than necessarily is needed to understand the base concepts of what's going on in the story. Lord yeah, of the Rings and to be fair, that. that could be why I feel like it gets muddy. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I love that kind of thing. Like, I've, right, read, right. I've read all the different books I had during high school i had purchased the um transcription to the language of nice. the elves and everything yeah. like i i was that kind of nerd in high school boyfriends really didn't like me for that but or girlfriends at the time but anyway the the story building that he did and the fact that he was very good at describing the different aspects whether it's the politics of the time or the landscape or the developmental relationships between all the different characters he did a really really good job of doing all of that as well as developing the language because language is the pathway to these different worlds 
So Tolkien was definitely probably my gateway drug into lore in general. I may have dressed up as um, I'm now I've blanked on her name. Arwen? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the um, I dressed up as hers for Halloween using one of my high school prom dresses and creating a cloak just because nice. I thought it would be cool because I was that kind of nerd in high school. It's fine. <laughs> but that brings us up to number one's blue. Yeah, What's your I, number one? My number one's not going to be a really big surprise to most people. It's the Dark Tower. Um, uh, It's just, I don't know, like kind of what you... That's why I said, like, my number three, the reason why it's my number three is the exact opposite of the reason why number one is my number one, um, because it is so realistic um, in in the sense of, like, the darkness that you have to fight and, you know, but there's still that tendril of hope that, like, there is something that can overcome it. Like, I think King does a really good job with his overarching stories in presenting grittiness without being like i'm not gonna say it's not horror stories because they kind of are but they're not Mm -hmm. just like gore fest like it's not just senseless violence like there there is there is an overarching purpose to pretty much everything um that goes on in especially within the dark tower multiverse um there's there is a purpose to everything you know that's the whole thing of like the concept of cause cause a wheel and you know and and there is a sense to purpose of everything so there there's that and i i don't know like it just that that particular fictional world has always resonated with me mostly probably because it combines a lot of elements that i myself really enjoy uh so like you have like mm-hmm. the western component you have the science fiction component you have the fantasy component um you know there's there's just really well done writing in my mind um he's got really really fun sarcasm especially in the later parts of the series uh and it's throughout the entire thing actually so i don't know like that's always been you know that's always been one of my top ones as as soon as i found out about it basically okay I mean, that's fair, considering how often we've brought up... Mm-hmm. We haven't brought up Dark Tower in a long, long time, but besides teasing me, me about it Rhea... It makes me sad. I mean, uh, the grapefruit is a thing, but... It's such a weird, you should make that. Weird you should world. make that one of your streaming emotes. The grapefruit? Petro with the grapefruit. No, why would Petro have a grapefruit? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to mix... God, that's actually one of my slight pet peeves is mixing genres that don't mix very well. And giving Petra a grapefruit to hold in her hands is just weird. Some people might think it's a dietary thing. Some people might. I mean, what is she doing? Uh. But okay, so my number one, surprisingly enough, is not based off of the Jacqueline Carey book that I was that's my number one book series it's a good but series. actually a, it's such a good series but um i actually don't like her world development as well as i like brandon sanderson's world developments and we're going to get into this a little bit with the actual episodes coming up but brandon sanderson does a really good job of creating the magic systems of his worlds mm, yeah okay Do, are, are his worlds separate though or are they an overarching universe 
they are depending on which ones you're reading. So okay, okay. Miss Mistborn is completely separate. And Stormlight Chronicles is also separate. And then you have there he does a steampunk one that Julie has read that I have not read yet. Um there are a few overarching themes in all of the worlds, but the magic systems are very, very different. Like in okay. Mistborn, you ingest um metallic principles so whether or not you ingest copper or gold or anything like that you are able to metabolize that uh, metal and create this superpower essentially Hmm. in stormlight chronicles there is a tie between the spiritual realm and the natural realm that you're at as well as the um there's a spiritual natural and mental realm and all three can connect and you have a bridge through to get to the power source of the spiritual realm through the mental realm of this sprite like creature. And the main thing that I really love about the Stormlight Chronicles is that in their broken people are primarily the ones who are be able to receive this quote unquote gift a lot of them are either broken because they've witnessed a family death or they've been beaten down. They were like um, the big brother of a character in the story and it's there. They witness their brother die and they've gone through all these travesties and trying to survive in the war and everything. And they, there's a lot of self doubt and it's very relatable in so much as that you feel yourself doubting your own ability in the real world able to connect to a character in his world that constantly doubts himself, constantly doubts his own power, but is also able to do these great things. And it's very, he's, all of his characters remain very, very humble, which is a very difficult thing, I think, to do in any sort of setting that gives characters an immense amount of power, is keeping them relatable. And Sanderson does a really great job of that. So... I would say that Brandon Sanderson's books in general are going to be my number one. Easy enough. Some of the other ones that I really, really enjoy, I mentioned the Fedra, Fedra series, the, um, oh gosh, what is it called? Kushel Dart, Kushel's Dart series. That one is totally different in the way that it's developed. It is not developed in the same aspect. There's not a magic system per se, in so much as the bloodline of the different characters are really, really important to the aspects of the overarching themes in the story. This, the main character in Kushel's Dart, Fedra, is, she is what's called, no, I'm I'm blanking on the term of it, unfortunately. She is basically the character that is able to take pain and quote unquote take pleasure in it, which in in a in and of itself does not seem very great as far as a quote unquote superpower or ability, but she is able to function as a spy in the world, which allows her to make her way through different aspects and the politics of things to be able to um, just discover different things and able to progress through the story and duel against somebody else. And the somebody else that she duels up against is a character named Melisande, who is very, very good at being, and Trigger Blade kind of, uh, kind of nailed it on the head. Fedra is a masochist. Melisande is a bit more of a sadist, so it's not so black and white as far as the um, 
divisions go. It's very, very different in so much as the characters aren't, it's not brutal. It's not, there is pain involved as far as the quote unquote um, experiences go, but there's no, there's no degradation, degradation of the characters. Each character is still held up in very high esteem throughout the entire series, which is interesting to take place. This is a very healthy um, interaction, comparatively. Not Fifty Shades of Grey, which, granted, this episode has taken a very, very strange turn now that Blue has left me alone for the moment. But I'm curious what your guys' top three are. For me, I would say my another also ran for me would be the Borderlands series, Borderlands was one of the very first series I actually took a lot of interest in as far as the the world building, but Borderlands is in comparison to Lord of the Rings or Destiny or even the Brandon Sanderson series is very, very simplistic, very simplistic in so much as there's not a whole lot of gray area involved in it. It's very black and white. You have the major corporation, and then you have the people that are dealing with all the aspects below, whether it's they're trying to find the vault or they're trying to find um, different cures for different things, depending on your aspects of who you're following within it. The DCU. Oh, DCU is a really good one. Dealing with Wonder Woman, dealing with... Uh, I don't know, the um, Detective Comics, DC versus Marvel is a very interesting debate as far as the world development of it goes, because you get the aspect of the black and white. Blue was talking about this earlier, especially with Destiny in particular with D1. But DC does a very good job of creating this black and white world where there is an obvious right and there is an obvious wrong. And Marvel does a really good job of like shading in between those two. It's not, it's not so cut and dry with Marvel. Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Dark Souls. I have a hard time with Dark Souls in so much that I, Dark Souls seems to be a very black and white world where it's very, there's such a hard line between right and wrong in there in that the characters that you're you're following or the the creatures that you're destroying are very dark and very i don't know dark dark souls is one that i i really should dive a little bit more into i really have gotten into more of the witcher series recently witcher has been such a um interesting development when you're dealing with not only uh Geralt and Ciri but also characters like Triss and oh gosh now i can't think of her name has black hair yennefer character thank you yennefer yennefer is an interesting character as far as like going into the gray of things definitely 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 much more gray in the witcher rather than black and white did you have any also rens blue uh wheel of time Okay. I mean, Wheel of Time, D and D, White Wolf, uh, are pretty much overarching ones. Um, Dune, 
There was there was some good Dune's stories. A good one. Yeah, Dune is a really good one. There's just some good, just amazing stories within that one. Um, I mean, there's there's so many that I right. just really have. But I mean, as far as like those that really stand out, D and D is like a it's just a ginormous overarching gate. Yeah, I mean, it it just encompasses so much. Um. Because similar to the Dark Towers, it's a multiverse. Um, you know, then, yeah, there's White Wolf uh, with its own... What, what are you in White Wolf Blue? Um, it's, oh, man. I, I kind of tend to prefer Garu. Um, but I tend to prefer the Garu that are more the... Um, oh, God, I just blinked on it. Uh, but my second one is often, um, I will play mages, but again, they're not the stereotypical mage within the white world universe. Um, if I have to play vampire, um, I'm trying to remember which ones I had to play vampire once and it was a really weird one. Cause I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with the vampire version of white wolf like i'm familiar with the story but as far as like mechanics from the mechanics standpoint it's kind of an interesting mechanics um okay <laughs> werebear <laughs> werebears were fun uh but yeah no like i i it's been so long since i've actually played a game of white wolf that i honestly um I honestly couldn't tell you what I was I what I played. I could probably look I have my character sheets from back in the day, but the ones that I always I always was more of a support class character anyways. So mm-hmm. which actually mages were really fun to play because you could you could jack with people. Um but yeah. I yeah, I can't wait to get into the the actual episodes because the different types of characters that are available in each world Mm-hmm. really colors the world and how mm-hmm. the world is developed. Oh yeah. Which is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Okay. I don't know what a guru is at all. I werewolf. didn't play any white werewolf. Okay. Guru okay. is okay. werewolf. Uh werebears were I think it's Garal. I think is the Garal is the werewolf or werebear. Uh basically you have like like the the where blank um you have pretty much any predominant large animals uh so you have like i mean you have where sharks you have a where spider those were really weird and annoying to deal with uh depending on the the level of depth that you wanted to go into there were some pretty interesting ones there were where snakes yeah the anasis were the spiders they were creepy the were snakes were fun to play. That um, one makes sense because a Nazi isn't yeah. a type of uh, the old folklore from mm-hmm. yep. Africa, isn't he's it? The, he's the trickster, trickster slash god of wisdom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, something. Woot. Yeah, the Pharaoh is all these shifters. Naga were so Naga. cool. Um, you had like were cats. You had were you know werewolves. Uh, Werebears bear, and werewolves were actually a lot of the common ones, mostly because those were like your stereotypical fighters and tanks. Um, the werewolves, like the Garu, were they they were very tribal. Um, so you had a very wide spectrum within the werewolf ranks, from like the full out berserkers to the actual studious ones. Um, 
the were bears were yeah the rabid care bear uh, it's not far from true like it's not far from the fact like it's just uh were bears were scary they they would they would tear stuff up um cool but yeah it was it was fun like it, and and then like the the nice thing about white wolf was they did a um they did a really good job of having the desperate titles so you had like vampire the masquerade you had werewolf the mm-hmm. i think what was that the werewolf the apocalypse you had hunter the reckoning and i think mage i can't remember what the mage was uh mage the ascension um and then you had like pretty much everything had its own in his like own uh series but you could also blend them so like you could have a game where you would have a vampire and a werewolf or a vampire okay. and a hunter. Like, you know, usually if you're playing a hunter, you were at a you were at odds with the supernatural characters, but you could have all of them um uh, at the same table because it was designed okay. in such that it was basically a giant puzzle piece. Right. Um, but and yeah, some games were built more off of the mechanics of the games versus the politics of the games and everything. I'm sure. Yes, White I, Wolf. I know Vampire Masquerade yeah, was Wolf, way yeah. more politics based than yeah. Some of Vampires. The, the Vampire series was was very politics. I actually, I mean, they they all like White Wolf had a pretty good spread of like you could. There were definitely predominant tones. Like Vampire was definitely political. But that's not to say that a Garu, like a werewolf game, wouldn't get political, like because there was very much tribal politics involved with the the subclasses or the sub uh, groups. Um, same with like Wraith and Mummy. I don't remember. I don't know much about my Hunter. Hunter was a hundred percent political. Like there, you could get into fights, but Hunter was because Hunter was one of the ones that you had to play both. You had to play on both sides of what was called the veil. So like. It's, which is also why I think Vampire was a little bit more political, is because both those both those titles you were you were basically balancing between the two sides, and you couldn't let the other you couldn't let the other side know about the other side, like especially the humans humans could not know about the supernatural because they would go insane. Like there there was actually ramifications in game of of humans finding out about it, which was kind of a balancing act. So there was there was that. Interesting. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot of fun, and and the world building is just oh man, it's it's really really. Oh yeah, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That's a good one. Chat. Interesting. Well, I'm actually really excited to get into the main chat of this. So for those of you listening to this on Wednesday or later, thank you for listening into top three. We're going to switch over to the main episode because Green is getting impatient and wants to talk about world building in general because it's one of her favorite topics. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for hanging out with us. And remember, everybody loves the list. Yeah.